the time, the training, or the inclination for strategic problems. Hello. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Just had a very long nap. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. How long? How long? Like like eighty minutes. Oh, 80? I had a, I had a, let me see, an app that was like 180 minutes the other day. <laughs> During what time of the day? Uh, it was like 11 to 1 or something. Or, or like 10 to 1. That's a long nap for that early in the day. Yeah, it was, it, it sort of, you know, through a wrench and things. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Hey there, what's happening? Oh, we're just talking naps. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. about, about the nap. Have you taken any long naps recently? Uh, I mean, yeah, this, this past year and a half, I've, I took more long naps than I think I ever took. Holy shit. Well, speaking of long naps, we want to talk about death. <laughs> and uh morning and can you hear uh, me okay i gotta i've got a yeah, i can hear you great is you that better I'm, i can't really you sound hear. great to me i mean i'm on a stupid phone because yeah that's I'm better on... is that better i think that's better yeah you sound good you sound you sound like barbara streisand after a bad cold all right <laughs> so that's my my put the settings on right now no, you sound fine. You sound fine. And I'm not even going to ask how I sound because there's nothing I could do about it. I'm talking into a cell phone. You actually don't sound bad, though. Oh, good. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Jordan has a podcast called Where's the Grief, right? Yes. And he talks to a lot of very interesting people, funny people, other just interesting people also um, about grief and the grieving process. And I, I was on an episode and it was actually really, really uh, therapeutic talking about it. And um, yeah, and I, I wanted to bring him on to, to talk about the process of grieving, what he's learned about it, how to, I don't know about accelerate the process. Cause that sounds a little bit. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> How do I go from one, step one to step five? And, and yeah, the sad part about grief is that there are no shortcuts. You know, you can, you know, the, the, I always say that like the, the goal is to try to remember what works and even more importantly, remember what didn't work. So you don't do it again. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it takes, you know, a number of times before you realize, oh, shit, I'm doing the same thing over and over again and it doesn't work. Oh, well, we got to get back to that. I, I want to know what didn't work for sure. Um, I guess I have my own things that didn't work, but I don't You, you probably know better than I do. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to talk about what, what got, what made you start that podcast and what, yeah. How'd you get into that? Well, I had been doing comedy already when my, uh, my only brother was killed in a car accident um, at the age of 21. And it was sort of, it was really surreal. I felt like um, 
you know, be, going on stage and presenting a version of myself to an audience that really did not represent what I was going through at the, in those times. It was really hard. Um, but I found a self-help support group that I started really connecting with myself at, uh, really found a place to be able to talk about stuff. And quite frankly, just talking with other comics off stage about shit they were going through, you know, it was, there was a, a real uh, connection when you get vulnerable with people. And I think comics have a very, you know, there's a kinship when you're doing shows together and you're sort of in the trenches together, you know, you share a lot of stuff with each other. And um, I felt like the fact that I was able to be open about what I was going through with some of them allowed them to be open with me about stuff they were dealing with um, that they might not have talked to other people about. And I just, you know, between the two things, between having a community to talk to uh, and having a group to talk to that was specifically about that, uh, my, my loss and my grief. Um, I mean, it took time, but uh, eventually I felt like the, the podcast uh, format was really a perfect way to sort of meld those two worlds. Yeah. I feel like it it's one of those topics that we don't talk about. And so that when we end up having to deal with it, we don't really know what we're doing. We don't know if we're doing it correctly because we have no blueprint for it and nobody tells us how to deal with it except don't bother me with yours <laughs> true true i mean i i have a few questions well i mean i i sometimes do suffer resentment grief resentment when i see people who i don't know going through grief on facebook and i'm like i don't know you and then i'm feeling like your emotional baggage i'm like oh man what am i an asshole for feeling that way <laughs> no i don't think so i mean i i I think, you know, there are things that you can see people posting online that might be a little bit of an overshare uh, and think they're kind of an asshole regardless. I don't think it has to be about their grief. You know, look, go back in their timeline. I'm sure there's something else you can find about them to hate. Yeah, (laughs) but I think but I do think that it's, you know, it goes back to that same thing that I was just saying. We don't talk about it. So there's nowhere. Where do we go to talk about it? I think, you know, the fact that we have the access to the Internet, we could put these thoughts on online and. You know, some people like you might be turned off by it, but it might actually also bring somebody in and create an opportunity for that person to have a conversation with somebody about this that they might not have otherwise had. I, I think sometimes, you know, people post that stuff. There's, it's hard to tell whether or not people post it because they want attention or they want sympathy or if they really want to start a conversation um, or if they just want to f- feel like they're feed isn't just filled with all of their successes. You know, you got to post some of the, some of the, uh, uh, you know, the other side of it sometimes just to represent, just so, you know, you, you feel like you're able to express what you're going through. You know, I feel like we're, we're, you know, we don't see anybody anymore. We, but we sort of catch up with people without their knowledge, just by seeing what they're putting on their Facebook and their Instagram. So um, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, there, there's a, there, there doesn't seem to be a, a, a protocol for it, but I do know that I'll, I'll say this. I'm very happy that I have a couple of Facebook groups that I'm in that I can vent into about some of the stuff that I deal with. That's, you know, specific to what I deal with where it's, you know, when I'm having a bad day, I can post in there and people that are also going through something similar will post about it. And it doesn't show up on my timeline. Like I don't have to drag people into my, into my, uh, unpacking of the baggage, <laughs> emotional baggage, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I know that like not, not everybody has that. Not everybody has an outlet where they can really talk about it. And so you never, I don't know. I try, I try not to judge too harshly about, about that stuff because we're all in our own little grief bubble when we're going through stuff. And so I think, you know, I, I just remember, I remember specifically posting stuff like that on my own feed 
and waking up the next morning and reading it and being like, oh, shit, what's wrong with me? <laughs> mm. I shouldn't have posted that. I don't think I deleted any of it, but I, I uh, felt shame for having posted it in, 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 in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are weird, weird places just because they the algorithm doesn't do the best job of showing things to the people who really would want to see it the most. Yeah. You know? Besides. Yes. This picture uh, commemorating your dead family member is your most liked photo of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like the sunshine background. Yeah. <laughs> that show. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say aside from um you know those uh, uh Facebook groups uh that you were talking about are there any places in particular that you find are uh, when it comes to the internet and posting about grief that you find that are like good places and resources that you found and I also mentioned that if you see me flailing around it's because uh, I just saw that there's a bug in here and I think right. I'm, I, if I see it and it's close by, I might, <laughs> I might go to kill it. Right. It's like right there. So that's what that is. I'm listening to your answer and also possibly swatting at a, yeah, I might, I might be murdering uh, right. this. Uh, I think it's a moth. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Maybe not appropriate during, uh, uh, you know, Well, I'll say this, you know, I, I feel really lucky that I have this group. Um, my, my, my organization is called the compassionate friends. They have chapters all over the country. Um, and the, their, their, their Facebook presence is pretty big. It's, it's focused mostly on the parents, but there is a pretty big sibling component to it as well. But it's, uh, basically it's for people that have lost a child, a, a grandchild or a sibling. Um, and there are a lot of resources online that they have, um, depending on what kind of loss you're suffering. I, I, I know that there are other groups like this for you know different specificities i've i've talked to people that uh, a couple of guys that run a uh, support group for widowers you know specifically for men who have lost their spouses uh, you know men have a different process than 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 women i feel like in terms of dealing with their grief especially since it's sort of ground into us from a very young age to not show our sadness to not let them see you sweat you know r- rub dirt in it and get back out there so um I think uh, it's important to have some groups where where men have those opportunities to to talk with other people that are going through it. I got a bug in here too. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, but I do think you know beyond finding the right if you if if you feel like you really need uh, you know to to see a professional, you know, finding the right therapist is always important, especially because I feel like a lot of therapists they haven't been through the same you know, grief, it's hard to find a good grief therapist because they don't really know what they're doing either. <laughs> Everybody's grief is different. You know, what works for one person will not work for everybody. And so it's, um, I, I think it's hard to find that balance of, of finding a place where you really can feel safe and, and vulnerable without uh, um, having a breakdown. Because I find that my group is one of those places where there's, a, there's an unspoken uh, understanding of what we're there for. And so sometimes there we can joke with each other. You know, it's not always so serious. There's a sort of a, a seamless transition from talking about the heavy stuff to talking about light stuff sometimes when you have a conversation with people like that. And it's refreshing, I feel like, to to have that, you know, to to, it, to me, that's what sort of lends some normality to having that conversation because otherwise everybody thinks it's just going to be sitting in a corner crying. Yeah, and I there, mean- you know, certainly there is some of that, <laughs> but it's not all that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, to, to your point about uh, men dealing with it differently than women, I mean, uh, it's only very recently I'm like able to cry in front of people. Like until, until I mean, I, I cried in front of my girlfriend pretty recently, which is the first time, not at a funeral and not watching an Adam Sandler movie on an airplane. That <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think it's definitely uh, one of those things that society just teaches you from a very young age is that it's more appropriate for women to be able to be open with their emotions than it is for men. But I don't know if anybody's really comfortable crying in front of people. People are always a little bit ashamed. I feel like even in my group where we come together to specifically talk about the heavy stuff and where it's okay to cry there, people still apologize for crying in there. Mm-hmm. Men Unless and women. They're so, actors. <laughs> yeah. and they're trained to, you know, bring out the, I don't know. I just know that I'm, I'm bad at acting. And I think I'm affected by the, you know. Are you yeah. bad at crying? Oscar, do you cry? Can you cry? Yeah. Um, they don't have the swell of the music on set. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, not as frequently as I should, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Jordan, how, if you don't mind me asking, how long ago was did you lose your brother? So this, this summer was uh, 19 years. Wow. It's been uh, 19 years, yeah. Wow. He'd be 40 this year. Oh, my God. That's intense. So like, okay, so you were saying, what are, what are some of the things that didn't work and maybe, I don't know, went back, made you go backwards in the process? And what are some things that really? I don't know if there is any going backwards in the process. I think that it, it's not a linear process in that, in that sense. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that um, it's, it, it's, there is, I feel like there's only forward and stagnation. Mm. Um, so I don't think you can go, you know, you, you can revisit things, but I don't think it's going backwards because your perspective as time goes forward changes. And I, you know, I, I know for me, I've gained a lot of perspective over, over time. Um, and I, it took me a while before I was really seeking out a different perspective, but I think the main thing, is, you know, one, one of the main things anyway, is that those early years where it was really hard, I felt like I really lost a part of myself in the process. Mm-hmm. And so many of my friends were saying things like, you know, oh, you know, your brother wouldn't want you feeling this way. And, you know, you, you know, there's a, everybody wants you to go back to normal. People want you to, you know, and, and certainly I wanted to sort of go back to normal. I wanted to try to find ways to reclaim and re, uh, you know, re-become the person that I had been before my brother died. But it took time before I realized that that person no longer existed. Like that version of myself died with my brother. And this new version of myself that I was becoming, I was resistant to it for a long time. I was, I wanted to go back to, to who I had been. And when I started to embrace who I was becoming, you know, in, in, in you know, in the wake of it, uh, that's when I started to see some real positive changes in my life, because then I started to, you know, giving myself permission to be living the life that I was living, whether or not it was one I wanted or not, mm. what was really important, I think. That makes sense. And do you think you changed because, well, do you think part of it was that, I don't know, I was talking with a friend the other day, how we're all like kind of slightly different people around different people. 
you know, my friend was talking about being in a polyamorous relationship with two different women and feeling like he was two different people, you okay. know, almost schizophrenic. Do you think the person who you were around your brother died also, or do you think it was just deal, dealing with the sadness of the loss or both? It's hard to say. I don't know if I really, it's not a thing that I, that it, it, it's, 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 these are all just ideas, you know, these are, it, there's nothing tangible about any of this stuff. So it's hard to, you know, I try to picture some of these things, these, some of these concepts, you know, as like a Venn diagram or, you know, amorphous amoebas, uh, whatever, but I can't, I, it's hard to, hard for me to picture it. And I, I do think a lot visually, but I think, I don't know. I think it's, um, the, the, I'm, I still find that um, I'm able to access those parts of myself differently now because mm -hmm. I have sort of embraced the direction that my life has gone, if that makes any sense. But I, but I, I um, it's, it's just like a, a mindset thing. You know, I think there, there, the beginning is so hard because you don't know, you don't know who you are. I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. You know, who am I without? Like I, my brother and I grew up together. Who's like the counterweight to my, to, to my whole life. So it was like being untethered. I was so isolated, even within my family, like everyone else in, in my family seemed to be handling it. Um, differently. My parents were, were, were pretty in, you know, dealing with it pretty intensely, but my extended family didn't even really seem to be dealing with it at all. Didn't seem to phase any of them. And I, and at 24, I was 24. I didn't have anybody in my life really that I had known that had lost a sibling. So it was hard for me to find place. Like I, I just felt like, like an alien, you know, uh, alone in my thoughts and everywhere I looked, uh, you know, doors closed in my face and didn't feel like I had an opportunity to really connect to myself in a lot of ways, you know, to other people. So um, I think it wasn't until I started to get really comfortable with who I wanted to be mm. and, and who I, you know, how I wanted to move forward that I started to be able to reconnect with, with parts of myself again. That makes sense. I think also, you know, the <clears throat> intense loss is so hard because it, it, it reminds you how uh, pointless life is in my, you know, in, 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 I looked at it that way. Like, what's the fucking point? You know, I don't the, like, we're all going to die. We're, we're, we're a blip in history. None, nothing matters. Whether or not I do well or whether or not I, I fail, it's all, it's all pointless. Mm. And it's a hard place to, to live in that headspace to, to have that pointlessness you know, I think it took a long time before I really saw purpose in life again. And, you know, when everything is pointless, it's it, 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 it's almost like you disassociate from yourself. Mm. Sort mm. of sort of intention, almost intentionally, even if it's not conscious. It's it, it, that's what it felt like in some ways when I was really in a deep funk about stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the pointlessness of things. So, you know, it was it was hard to get back to a place where I was willing to admit that there was joy and happiness and uh, and hope possible. You know, once I was able to be open to the possibility of things not being so uh, pointless, that is when I started to you know find meaning it's, again. Is um 
to help find meaning again, uh, were there any things in particular that you would sort of do to engage that part of you? Well, so the biggest perspective change that I think was positive is that it did help to sort of reorder a lot of my priorities and it made it pretty crystal clear who the real people in my life were. You know, the people that were going to be, that were going to weather the storm with me, it was was pretty easy to tell who those people were. So it was easy to cut people out that were no longer serving a purpose in my life and focusing on the relationships that I wanted to keep and and the people that I wanted to have in my circle. Um, I think, you know, I don't know where I would have been. I don't know. I don't know where I would have ended up without having people in my life that I that I could be my word, the worst version of myself around or like the saddest version of myself around without them leaving. Mm. Yeah, I definitely felt I mean, I wasn't in mourning, but I was going through a pretty serious de- depression in my, I guess, early 20s where everything also seemed meaningless. I dropped out of Zen, a Zen monastery. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and I think through the wrong lens, Zen can seem like nihilism. Right. And I think it kind of did. And I was also going through withdrawal of being in a community that everyone is kind of working towards a goal that does, that seemed meaningful. Right. And yeah, I did feel like, like most of my friends did kind of like fall by the wayside uh, except for those who are either also suffering through depression at the same time mm. or or just yeah new friends who kind of didn't didn't notice the difference they were I mean that's the, you know the, the, your your friends list really changes when you go through this you know there's people that you've known your whole life that all of a sudden you can't relate to and people that you just meet that that only know this version of you like you connect to really strongly you know, I've found some of the best connections with people that I met after my brother died, the people that I was open to about stuff. I don't know. They, 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 they never met me before that. So they only knew this, this, this version of me. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of a weird thing also. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> Oscar, have you ever gone through the grieving process? Uh, I can't say uh, I have. And I, I know it's so it's so un- it's such a unique uh, process. I've I've close friends have gone through uh, grieving processes actually that have that have been in similar situations uh, uh, to you, um, and just by uh, seeing them, I I know that yeah, it's it's something completely unlike uh, anything I've gone like my gone through myself. Um, I think there could be there are parallels to, you know, you know, being in a low point in your life, uh, you know, where, you know, any sort of existentially, you know, charged event happens. That's not the correct words, but <laughs> anything that like sort of, uh, you know, raises that question and sort of shakes you to your core. Um, but I, I know that, you know, this uh, situation in particular, it's very uh, unique. Um, yeah. So I only as an observer, uh, I, I would say. Yeah, I've only I've had a, a grief poo poo platter, you know, I got a <laughs> sampler and you know, like both of my 
grandmothers and my aunt and uncle all passed away within probably like three or four years. So that, oh, was, wow. that was pretty rough. Um, but I've never lost, you know, a, I don't have any siblings. I've never lost a sibling. Though I kind of, I, I, I kind of do more in the loss. I know my mother had a miscarriage and I would have had a brother and I kind of still do more in that loss. You know, I, I feel like I would have been a better, a better person had I had a brother. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, only child. Uh, do you have any other uh, siblings or? No, it's just me now. Mm. Yeah. Which also brings a lot of its own level, you know, layers of things, you know, <laughs> now I'm what, 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 what used to be 50% of attention for my parents now feels like 150% of attention <laughs> is a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm not currently in a relationship, but when I was the baby, you know, the, the, the grandbaby uh, conversation was deafening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Time. I had a joke about my mom wanted a baby so bad. I was like, you know, she was t telling me, Oh, don't worry. I'll take care of the baby. I'll, it'll give, you know, I'll, I'll give it everything it wants. It reminded me of when I was a kid and I wanted a dog. It was like that same conversation. Don't worry. I'll walk it every day. It'll be my dog. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and we all know what happened after that. So it looks like I'm going to be, we all know I'm going to be the one that is going to have to take care of that baby. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So do, do you still go with the same frequency to like the grief meetup groups? How is that? Experience? Oh yeah. So <laughs> the irony is, is that I started going to that grief group initially because so that my parents would shut up about it. They kept telling me, Oh, they've got a sibling group. You should come. Oh, they've got a sibling group. You should come. I'm like, fine, I'm going to come. It's not going to be helpful. We'll never have to talk about this ever again. <laughs> and now I run it and they don't come. I actually am the co-chapter leader. I've been running wow. the sibling group for over a decade. It's like a cornerstone of my life. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a leader there. That's crazy. I've been presenting workshops at their national conference for like the last seven years. I'm a keynote speaker this upcoming March at a uh, regional bereavement conference in Hawaii, yeah. which is uh, the first grief conference that I'm guaranteed to get laid at. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's the name of that organization again? It's called the Compassionate Friends. And is that? It's all types of grief. Uh, no, no, they deal with it. It's it's like uh, parents grieving parents, grandparents and siblings is who they kind of really focus on. Gotcha. Mm. Um, and it's you know, it's mostly parents, really. There are some grandparents that come with frequency, but I the sibling and the sibling uh, um, program is getting larger, but there are not enough sibling groups around the country. It's mostly focused on the parents, as I said, the, the, the New York chapter happens to have one of the largest sibling groups in the country wow. um, just because it's New York. But. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the Manhattan chapter and the Staten Island chapter, I think, are the two biggest sibling groups in the country. Yeah. Well, yeah, people, if you need a resource, there's one. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, give it a try, even if you're hesitant, because I guess it really, once you're there, how, how I'll tell you, yeah, it's, they turn it, you around? It, it's ironic how, like, I always feel like, especially when it's in person, you know, right? We've been doing, been doing them on Zoom for the last year and a half. Um, and we had to have, we had to cancel two years worth of, of our national conferences that were supposed to be in person last year was supposed to be in Detroit and this summer was supposed to be in Atlanta. Um, and they were all on zoom as well, but going to that national conference, you know, the grief conventions are, it, it, it's such a weird 
it's such an ironic way to, to the way that it actually feels versus what you think it's going to be before you go are so diametrically opposed. It's so funny to me because, you know, the, the, the thing about it is that like when you walk into a room and everybody there has lost a sibling, all of the layers of anxiety of which version of myself is going to be accepted are gone. Totally. It's like every, whatever version I show up as is, is totally accepted. And it's, really like there's just not a lot of places anywhere where, 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 where you can feel that regardless of what you're going through or what you're dealing with. Um, but in particular, as, as a, as a bereaved sibling, like sibling loss is I think one of the more underrepresented losses. It's not treated uh, as seriously. You know, there, there are more, there's more literature out there on pet loss than there is on sibling loss. Mm. Um, and it's more, acceptable to talk about pet loss you know, like you could talk about <laughs> you know everybody loses pets say you know but at the same time like it's just i don't know i find it is it's one of those things you know that, that nobody really treats it as a as a as a as a hard thing i think that as that is as hard as it is i don't oh, think yeah. people really understand the difficulty of it um and there's no timeline for it you know it's not it doesn't go away you know, <laughs> my brother, it's 19 years still sucks that he's not here. Yeah. You know, it's never going to not suck that he's not here. And I'm never going to not wish he was here. I'm, I'm never going to not love him. You know, I'm so like I it's it's hard to think that some people think that you should be over it or in, in any kind of span of time. Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest thing is sometimes is like you hear all that external pressure telling you that you should be over it, quote unquote, in, in some span of time that you can believe it for yourself and start to beat yourself up for not being over it or not being certainly, you know, doing as well as you think you should be. But I don't I hate the, the whole should thing. You know, there's no there is no should. You should be doing better, says who, <laughs> yeah. you know, I should also be getting blown right now, but that's not happening either. <laughs> True. Yeah, man, I. Yeah, I think people um, can really, it's really hard to imagine, I think, for most people, unless you've lost a parent yeah. or a son or daughter or sibling. Well, I, you know, the sad part is I was telling this to somebody recently, and I've said this in my group a lot, but learning how to deal with grief is similar to learning how to swim. Mm. You can't learn it from a book. <laughs> you got to get in the fucking water. Right. And hopefully mm. you don't get pushed into the deep end like I did. But unfortunately, that's what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, a little bit more about your podcast before we go. What, um, what are some episodes people should check out? Oh, man, I got a lot of great ones. Um, the, the episode I actually just put out this week is with a woman that wrote a book called It's Your Funeral. And it's all about how, how to plan the event of a lifetime before it's too late. And it's kind of interesting you know, even though it's, her book has a, it, it sort of tackles it from a, a, a sort of a whimsical standpoint, a jokey standpoint, very tongue in cheek. Um, it's an interesting overview of, of a lot of different funeral services and ways to commemorate yourself. But it's interesting that, you know, we put so much pressure on the people that we leave behind to do all that stuff, not right. just financially, yeah. but you know, people don't even always know what you might have wanted. And like they're scrambling to do it while they're grieving in their like first few days of <laughs> their own grief process, they have to try to wonder what you might have wanted. So this book is a great opportunity to write some of that stuff down and, you know, think about it ahead of time and think about who might be at your funeral and what you might want out of that. 
Um, but I've got some great ones. I got, you know, I interviewed uh, George Carlin's daughter, Kelly Carlin. Um, mm. My interview with uh, um, Lori Kilmartin about her book, Dead People Suck, is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you go through my catalog. I got, I got a lot of good. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> they're all, you know, they're 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 admittedly kind of heavy. But I find that my goal in a lot of these conversations is to try to have a normal conversation about grief. So there are dick jokes and uh, there's a little bit of, you know, an acknowledgement that there is funny stuff and absurdity uh, to laugh at, especially in retrospect. Sometimes we don't really recognize how funny something might be in the moment because we're crying. But uh, I think it's healthy for me anyway. It's been really impactful to to have conversations like that, that, uh, you know, normalize having these talks and recognizing that we all go through this differently. There is no blueprint and it's okay to do it the way that you do it. Like that's my number one message is that it's, it's the hardest part of this is giving ourselves permission, not just to do it the way that we do it, but to have done it the way that we have done it. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone around you, you're doing great. Yeah. You're still here. You're still breathing. What a great, wow. Amazing. Yeah. And I think it's hard for us to, to, to have that, give ourselves that permission because we think we should be doing it certain, a certain way, or, um, you know, I, uh, society tells us, or I don't know, you know, this, uh, a myriad of reasons why we put roadblocks in our own, in, in our own way sometimes to shame ourselves and to, um, give ourselves a, a, a harder time yeah. than it needs to be. Yeah. At, at my aunt's funeral, um, someone was giving like a, a really touching speech about what she meant to her and someone's Siri went off and it was just like, wow. Cracked <laughs> 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 up. It was, it was great. That's funny. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh, I don't know if you, I was talking about this with the woman that wrote the funeral book about uh, a guy in, in Ireland last year that as he was being lowered into the ground, had a recording in, he had a like a tape recorder in the casket that started playing a pre-recorded message by from him that started like help i'm in this box <laughs> <laughs> and that then like went on to uh you know let people know that it was just a joke that's so good oh my god wow really funny. my guy had a sick sick twist of uh humor sense of humor yeah. <laughs> I, dig, I dig it <laughs> yeah well, Jordan, these these things are usually short, so I mean, this was great. I'm glad you uh, came on, and um, I hope I hope at least a few people who heard this will one realize that they have a resource um, for grief that's ready and available, and they yeah. forget it. They'll know what episode to rewatch, and two, uh, they'll look out for your podcast. Where's the grief? And I'm sure that'll be a source of comfort for. Yep, you, you can you can find it on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. I'm on Spotify. I'm on all the other ones that pull from those. And uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Where's the Grief. I'm on the Facebook as well. And I will just also recommend that if you are going through a, a difficult time, if there's a possibility for you to find some peer support in your area, uh, you know my my group that's kind of their, their thing is peer support. I find it to be one of the most helpful because there's no professionals there. It's just other people going through the same thing. Um, and, you know, you can take their, uh, uh, you know, hear other people's stories as suggestions. It's not really advice, you know, it's uh, just helps you feel heard and, and understood. That makes sense. Yeah. 
All right, Jordan. Thank you so much for coming on. Knowledge yeah, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you guys. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, man. nice meeting you. Yeah, back at you. All right. I'm going to end the recording. All right. <laughs> Stop it.